the money part is nice. And like, you got to make money to make the right decisions. It's there. It's nice, but it's never been the motivating factor. I realized early on, like was to be a leader, build up those around me. That was really why I started growing in the beginning. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the Millionaire Mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. And I've got another great guest joining us today. Look, there's something special about entrepreneurs and business owners. And what I've realized uh, having a lot of guests on the show is some start right out of high school, maybe even started a business while they were in high school, and others start a little later on in life. And there's no right or wrong answer to when you should start a business. But what I've realized is that when a business owner jumps into the world of entrepreneurship is heavily dependent on so many different variables. Some may start as a result of being let go from a job. Some might have been born into an entrepreneurial family and it's just in their blood, if you will. Some may have gained experience in a certain industry and because of their expertise in that industry, they recognize an opportunity for a business or a process that they were able to take and leverage. So the point is, no one can really tell you when you should start a business. That's a very personal question and one that will come to you when and if the time is right. And our guest today took that leap of starting a business and in five short years has been able to scale to the level that he's at today. So really excited to get into his conversation and his journey. So a special welcome to our guest today, Anthony. Anthony, appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dylan. So, Anthony, why don't you just take a minute or two and just share with our listener who you are and what you do? Yeah. So, Anthony Valerio, I'm from Rochester, New York, upstate New York. I own a couple businesses up here. So, I own Four Winch Chimney, which is a chimney and fireplace business. I co-own with a a friend that you also know, a basement waterproofing company. And then I also have an LLC for uh, private lending as well. And so Rochester, New York, I got my wife, Laura. We just had our fifth anniversary in June. My two kids, Evelyn, she's four and some change. And then my son, Michael, two and some change. And so between all those things, that's how my day goes, the three gigs and then the kids. So That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. And I'm sure we'll get into it during this episode, but just trying to manage and juggle it all. As business owners, as entrepreneurs, we tend to overcommit ourselves because we almost have to operate at this certain level of of stress. Yeah, and uh, we kind of force ourselves in those situations, and it drives my wife nuts because we'll try <laughs> to go on vacation and try to relax and have a good time, and it's like my mind is like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, yeah. and it's tough. It's tough, and then we get stressed out, we get burned out, we reset, and we keep at it again. So it's definitely a different mindset. But definitely excited to get into your journey and start talking about this. So let's take it back. Like, when did this entrepreneur journey really start for Anthony? Yeah, I'm a fourth generation Mason. My family always focused on chimney work. So I grew up working for a family business. Was it? I mean, since a, a young age, illegally, probably started working when I was 12, <laughs> 10 to 12. 
you know, and then it was after school, summer breaks on the weekends, professionally when I was 18 is when I stuck with it. And that there's always been a family business going on as well. A little different, you know, my family, they are great Masons, excellent Masons in our area. They'd be booked out a year to two in advance, stayed small, always focused on custom work and, and they've done really, really well that way. I ended up moving, so I worked for family for years, years and years, and 37 now, so I moved about an hour away from my family about 12, 13-ish years ago, kept working for them for a little while, and then went to work for this company up here, and which was probably the best thing that could have happened for me. So the catalyst for starting my own business, I was working for this company, and it was kind of like half on the books, half under the table, didn't have the proper insurance. But that I was kind of used to that somewhat. It's pretty normal in the contracting industry, especially for smaller businesses. I had an accident, so I fell off a roof and broke my leg, left legs about 29 pins and two feet of plates. And the bigger thing is my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. So I fell off the roof five days before her surgery and she's beaten it uh, since then to put that out there. But so I went from like being where I was, we were living together. I was going to be the caretaker for to where we were both just like couch bound for months, months and months. And that was probably one of the lowest points of my life, especially because I had no money coming in because under the table gig. And I just remember sitting on the couch And I'm like, man, I will never go through this again. And I will never put employees through that. uh, Never put family through that ever again. So I started my, started the LLC for the chimney company pretty much while I was still in crutches. And then the rest has been kind of history. So let's back up a little bit. We'll definitely get into that. Your story resonated with me. And some people listening have heard my story. And what I've realized is that people will often hit a breaking point in their lives. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe they got let go. Maybe they fell off a roof and broke a leg. People will reach a breaking point at some point in their lives. And it's in those pivotal moments that you need to decide what you're going to do next. That's right. And the reason your story resonates with me, Anthony, I too broke my leg working as a nurse at the time. And was also couch bound for months. And that was probably one of the lowest points in my life. And my wife, we had just had our second kid Mm. who was diagnosed with uh, special needs. We didn't know it at the time, but he was very, very difficult as a newborn. So here my wife is trying to take care of the special needs baby while I'm couch bound and not mentally there. That was my breaking point. And unfortunately, you and I, I mean, this again, this is why it resonates. Unfortunately, you and I like literally reached a breaking point. Like we broke bones to to almost wake up and realize like, this isn't what I want for my life. Like, what if this was to happen again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I did nothing about it. Like, and I, and I, I'm, I'm making this assumption here in your situation because of what I went through. But in that moment, I was like, if something like this was to happen again two or three years down the road, and I did nothing different to change it, how much more pissed off would I be with myself? I had the same thought, the same same exact thought. So 
listen to our listener if you're listening to this right now speaking for anthony we hope you don't have to break a leg yeah. <laughs> to figure it out right like we don't wish that upon anyone but know that when those situations happen like as bad as that incident was anthony do you look back and appreciate that that event did happen yeah huge gift i mean even like move i mean i can backtrack so much of it that just played out for a reason let's talk about it yeah i mean you know when i moved up here and moved away from family just everything if i hadn't moved away from family there was just so many like little decisions that i was unsure of at the time or sometimes i regret it but i kept doing it and there's so many little things that like that happened before breaking my leg if i didn't make those decisions i would never be here and really when that did happen when i did break my leg and my wife now had breast cancer like i would have never been that low one i don't think i ever it never would have been a thought to open my own business i just didn't think it was in my wheelhouse i was pretty content with like sticking with some kind of trade career i had the average salary laid out in my head i had other people in my life that i could look to to see the things that they could afford in their life and they might have like the house and boat and family when they're working off this salary so that's what i was striving for those were like the top of my goals and those are great goals and so that would have never ever happened it was not on the cards for me when i started it's ironic how often i've had people on the show that have experienced a breaking point a situation yep. that launched them into the business that they're in now and they all have a very similar attitude in the sense that they realize and appreciate that things happen for them not to them that's right and whether it's good or bad, especially the bad times, being able to recognize those opportunities and to learn from it and recognize that, hey, you may or may not believe in God or this higher power universe, whatever you want to call it. Kate, for me, it's God. I truly believe, truly believe that in those instances, when those things happen, it's an opportunity for us to reset because whatever path we were going down, whatever journey we were on at that time wasn't the right path for us to reach our true potential. And I firmly believe that in those instances, it's God saying, hey, Anthony, I hate to do this to you, <laughs> but there's so much more out there for you. That's so right. I'm going to push you off this roof. Yeah. So you break a leg to help you realize and recognize what potential you have in store for you. And yeah. and again, that's my belief. And I don't know yeah. if you feel the same way, Anthony, or to our listener, you might, again, it might be something else for you, but... I don't think it's a coincidence how often situations, stories, experiences like this come up as I interview business owners Agreed. on this podcast. So I, I'm with you. Like I definitely think those are those God moments and faith does a really good job at like being able to connect the dots with things. That's the way I looked at it with everything that happened. Um, sometimes not right in that moment, but right in that moment to be in that low spot and the suffering, that's where the gift is. Yes. Uh, so you can connect it with faith. And like you said, even if people don't have a faith, totally okay. But like, I looked at it like there's two ways I could look at this. Like, after the fact, I could stay stuck in it, wallow in self pity and why me? Why did it happen to me? Or you can like choose to make something out of it. And no matter whether you have faith or not, that's still a decision that can get made. And faith just helps connect the dots, I think you could still connect it without that. I agree. You had this incident and you're like, hey, I realized I never want to put myself through this again. I never want to put 
future employees yeah. or other people through this. And it sounds like this was the moment that this idea of this chimney company was born. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. So, that was so share with us how it evolved over the next few months to years. Yeah. So again, the nice thing with like having the accident and not having money coming in was I wanted to do it right, right off the bat. Like I wanted to have full insurance, be on the books. When I had employees, I wanted a, a payroll system. And like I said before, it's pretty common, like the cash gigs, it's just common, not having the proper insurance. And I had so many people in the beginning just be like, you'll see why you won't make money having the right insurance. You'll see why I never had the right insurance all those years, or you'll see why you can't make money when you do it all in the books. Like, And I put post-it notes everywhere those first year or two to prove the you'll see is wrong. And that's what I did. I mean, I I did it that way, got busy right off the bat. I also wanted something that nobody could ever take away from me. So I didn't want to look behind my back about cheating the system, anything like that. And I got busy. So, you know, year one, you know, I was one employee that whole time. Year two is what you and one employee or you were the employee. Sorry. Yep. Me and one employee. Okay. Kind of like the end of year one is when things picked up. So fast forward between year one. I think we grossed about 160 grand in revenue that first year. So we started February 14, 2018. Present day, we're 31 employees. We run multiple crews. For 2023, we're projected to hit eight, eight and a half million. And oh my gosh. Yeah, it's been a ride, that's for sure. But I got busy. I got busy with training, education, podcast, books, business coaches. I just got busy. And, and it's just paid off for us very well. So about, well, hold on, before we yeah. keep going, I, I want to go back on a couple of things. Whenever you decide to break the norm, to start something new, to break into an industry, you will have people oftentimes ones close to you telling you, you can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to internalize that belief system and start thinking that ourselves. Yeah. When you internalize that belief system, you believe it, you think it's going to work out that way. It's a toxic mentality. It is. So Anthony, it sounds like in your case, when these people suggested those things and say, oh, you'll see why. Yeah. Mentally, internally, you're like, watch me. That's right. Watch me prove you wrong. And yep. kind of having that warrior mentality. And you've got to have that because so many people, so many people, because here's the deal. If you were to prove them wrong, which you did, yeah, you just crushed their entire belief system yeah, that they probably believed in for the last 20, Year. 30, 40 yeah, years, yeah. right? Easily. So it comes from the egoic state of mind from others saying, hey, you can't do this because if you did do that and prove them wrong, yeah. their ego takes our hit. And our egos do not like that. Yeah, It's just human nature. So unintentionally, I think a lot of people project their limiting beliefs onto us and you truly have to have the ability to sort through those yeah and if they're limiting keep them out don't allow them in now if they're uplifting and encouraging welcome them yeah so those are the types of thoughts beliefs that you want and the people you want to surround yourself with yeah and that'll change i've learned that along the way the past five six years is like i've had to like keep kind of changing groups because Every time I got to a certain point, 
certain people in my life, they would have their limiting beliefs of why you shouldn't go any further, why you can't go any further, what's going to happen if you do go further. And I really learned, like Randy, who was on here before, it's a big one that he says is like your network is your net worth. And, and I think that's pretty important to always look outside as well and always see, just run with the right people, run with the right people who are going to lift you up. And that's changed. That's changed a lot for me since day one. So I've got a question here for you, one that I've pondered a lot, and I don't know that I have an answer for it, but I think a lot of people in our situation consider this. Why is it that you think people almost make you feel guilty for wanting more as a business owner or an entrepreneur? I think it's a combination of things. And I think people grow up, learn through culture, through family, just those the limiting beliefs. That's what they are. And uh, people tell you how you should act, how you should present yourself, you know, and that's getting passed on generation and generation, friend group to friend group. And I don't think it's any fault of like the individual. I think it's just like you're adapting kind of to those around you. I think it takes like the right person to put in the right work to like know that it could be different. I don't know. I think it gets, sometimes it gets a bad rap. Entrepreneurs can, I think it's people's own insecurities that make that happen. The people around you, I think it's your, their own insecurities. And uh, I think that's it. So I, yeah. As I pondered on that question to the average normal person, their mindset, their belief around business entrepreneurship and money is different than ours. And what I've noticed, what I feel is that they view situation people like us and say, oh, they just want more money. They're just greedy. They want more money. It gets to a point where money's, and I know this is going to sound kind of ignorant no, and, and I know privileged, what whatever you want to say. Like it gets to a point where you realize it's not about money. I believe people do need to strive and hit a certain point financially in their life, especially, I mean, things are expensive now. Inflation's yeah. out of control. So money can bring happiness. I'll just yep. say that. Okay. But it gets to a point where money is no longer the driving and motivating factor. Yeah. And really what it comes down to is an internal challenge to push ourselves. I had somebody on yesterday. He said his business was going too smoothly and he wasn't okay with that. So they yep. infused problems, nice. infused problems into their business so that him and his team could elevate to that next level. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, that seems contradictory, right? It's like your business is going great. You're closing contracts. Why would you want to create problems? Yep. Because when you're experiencing problems, you know, you're on the path of progress. Agreed. And for us, it's not that we're not content. Like we're happy. We're satisfied to an extent, but we know we can do more. And there's something internally that wants to keep pushing us to that next level. Yeah. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us. And I mean, in five short years, Anthony, you went from 160,000 a year to almost eight and a half million is what you're projecting this year. Yeah. And I can almost assure, again, broad generalization assumption here that that's not the end for you. Yeah. No, it's not. It's sometimes I think it is. Like I've thought that a couple times along the way. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just going to ride it out here for a little bit. I think I'm really enjoying this. And then like a month later, you know, and it goes back to what you said. Like I have learned, of course, like the money part is nice. And like, you got to make money. You got to watch some money to make the right decisions. Like, let's just put, 
you know, that's out there. But it has never been the motivating factor for me, ever, not ever. It's there, it's nice, but it's never been the motivating factor. I realized like early on, like that my, felt like my gift and I definitely had to put work in and still do towards it was to be a leader, uh, to be a leader, build up those around me. That was really why I started growing in the beginning. It was like, I was hiring these people on, you know, and I'm like looking at them and I'm like, man, do I, do I expect them to like mix cement and carry brick for the next five, 10 years, every single day? I wouldn't want that for myself. So you know, it's like, well, let me create opportunity, kind of generalizing things here, you know? And so that's when I started adding is when I hired new guys on new people, like I wanted to create a track for them to grow. And that just kept going and going and going. I realized like, that's what I like. Uh, I like that role, like the leadership role. I like the challenge of things. I totally agree. When things stay stagnant for too long, I think that's when a lot of mistakes happen. And that's why I like the guy you had on yesterday that you said it would infuse some problems. Like there's always growth that comes from that. Always you'll identify your weak spots, you know, identify areas that you could be more efficient. So I, I love that. And I think that's right on. I think most business owners, leaders, entrepreneurs, operators learn that like that's the thing that they're great at is being that. If you recall back to when Anthony first told us about his incident falling off the roof, when he said something needed to change, yes, money was an aspect to it, but what he wanted was to create a business, create a company where somebody didn't have to go through what he did. So even before he started the business, his mentality was on his employees and the impact he can make. And here's the deal, okay? He started with one employee. You now have 31 employees. Yeah. The more revenue Anthony can generate in his company, the more people he can justify bringing into this culture and this community that he's created and make a bigger impact. That is what it's all about. The revenue is a byproduct of that. Yep. Right. And so not only is he impacting his life, he's impacting his employees' lives and he's impacting the people that they serve. That's right. And because, because he's running a good operation there, the stars align, opportunities present themselves, this growth that's going to happen. So what I want to transition to next, Anthony, right after a a quick commercial break is talking about that first year, because that first year in business is always one of the hardest. And and I want to get into some of those challenges and things that you had to overcome in that first year that helped set you up to what you've accomplished today. So we'll be right back in a few short seconds. Hey, Dallin Schultz here with Rev Equity Group. We just launched an exciting new investment opportunity for those looking to diversify their investments across a thousand plus apartment units in some of the hottest markets in the country. If you are fed up with banks and the stock market and want to invest in hard assets to more effectively grow and preserve your wealth, then click on the link in the show notes for more info or go to investwithrev.com and schedule a short 15 minute intro call so we can determine if our investment strategy is aligned with your goals. It's time to take your financial future into your own hands. Take action, schedule a call, and find out how my team can serve you. At Rev, we make apartment investing easy. All right, welcome back. So Anthony, right before the commercial break, I shared with our listener that I wanted to get into that first year of business. Because that first year of business, like people can look at you now and say like, oh, it's all sunshines and rainbows. It's great. Anthony got lucky. He's privileged, whatever the case is, right? You and I know that in order to get to where you are today, there had to have been crap 
that you had to sort through and growth that you had to go through. So share with our listener a little bit about that first year of business and what some of those biggest challenges were that you faced. Yeah, I'm going to group them up. It's year one, year two, because they're just like all the same for me. You know, when you're starting off, you have to wear every hat of the business. So I was the phones, I was the books. I mean, it was everything. I was doing the work, I was selling the jobs. You wear every hat. And really, I think that's necessary for most people in the beginning. Like every step along the way, I've had to like, when I learned that I have to hire someone, you know, before I hire that person, I have to be doing my own job plus their job. And it has to become too much before I could say, now I need to hire someone to take this place. And for the most part, starting off on a business, especially. And, uh, you know, when I started four wins, I didn't have like the chimney business. I didn't have like this large bank account that I was working with. I had like the first five, 10 grand that I'd ever saved up. My wife was a co-signer of my truck that I had to get at that time. Like I started with nothing, you know, so I couldn't just beef up staff. Like I had to wear those hats and, you know, I hindsight, I wouldn't do anything different. That's for sure. But the lessons that I learned the first year and two are like to find, find my role, find what I'm most, what I'm good at, what I'm most efficient at. And for me, that meant like not being in the field. It wasn't like the one always doing the jobs. I was better at backend stuff, folks on marketing. And, uh, you know, it teaches you like to learn to delegate quickly right off the bat. So that, that was a big one. Delegate, got to delegate to elevate. That's what I always tried to say. And luckily I had the right team that I was building up that could take that on too. But year one, year two were just a total blur almost. They were 14, 16 hour days. You know, I definitely earned a couple ulcers during that period as well. You know, you kind of go through it to realize that let me put the systems in place to kind of streamline things a little bit better. Um, that's what I got from year one, year two. I had to go through the grind, learned how to invest in people better, learn to invest in systems, make things easier, you know, hired the right business coach uh, year two, which helped a lot as well. I appreciate you sharing the fact that you stated that you wouldn't have done anything different. Yeah. And even though it's hard, anyone that started a business from the ground up with very limited capital knows exactly what you're talking about. Yep. You do. You have to wear all the hats yep. and, and you realize very quickly, like, I hate doing this. I can do it. It doesn't mean doesn't mean I enjoy doing it, right? I mean, you grew up in a family doing stonework. You were yep. qualified and capable of doing it, but it didn't align with what really energized you. Yeah. And most people don't have that type of awareness and clarity. And so sometimes what I would say is the slower way to figure that out is jump into the business and do it all. You learn very, very quickly what you like doing and what you don't like and what energizes you. And one of the traps I've noticed that business owners fall into is that they look at a situation and whatever drains them are selfish, natural minds think that since that drains me, it drains everyone and nobody wants mm. to do that. Yep. It makes it hard to delegate because you're like, if I don't want to do this, why would I dish that off to someone else? And we almost yep. feel bad doing it when in reality... There is somebody that would love doing what drains you and would hate doing what energizes you. 
that's when you form a partnership that's when you find the right employees that's how you effectively delegate Stephen r covey in his book seven habits highly effective people says everything is accomplished through delegation it's either a delegation of your time or it's a delegation to somebody else yeah and when you find the right people on your team that have also clarity and know what energizes them and what drains them you could create a very mutually beneficial relationship and partnership And, but if you don't have that clarity and you said like, find my role, like that's what it enabled you to do. When you figure out what that is as a business owner, as a leader, it makes it a hundred times easier to delegate and to hire because now you know what the business needs. And since you worked in every area of the business, you probably had a good idea of how you wanted it ran being the business owner, the visionary, you had an idea of what you wanted to accomplish because you were in it. Now you just had to find somebody that could do it better than you and being willing to admit that there was somebody that could do it better than you. Yeah. There's lots here like that. So that come to mind, Vinny, he's my operations manager at the chimney company. And then Dave is the ops manager at the basement waterproofing company. They are excellent at their role. Like they are organized. I mean, you go in Vinny's office, he's got papers, post-it notes everywhere. Very organized, military background, like just very good with that. Me, I am naturally very unorganized. Like, and I have tried to like read books, do this and that. It's just not my thing. I have like this certain level I operate on very good and being organized is not in there. You know, but Vinny is. So Vinny makes a great operations manager. He can multitask. He can handle multiple problems at once. Dave at the Basin Waterproofing Company, same way. Great numbers guy, great multitasker, very organized. Everything is systems. Even in the field here, I've, you know, we've been able to train guys up that are better masons than I ever was. Like, you know, guys that put up more brick in a day than I ever did and cleaner. Uh, same goes with some people in my office, you know, and they don't want to do what I do. That's the thing. That's why it works out very good. I mean, you know, just it works out good for everybody. A good book that I, it's not my top book, but it's right up there. Um, that really helped me learn the different hats that a business owner wears. It was, it's the E-Myth or E-Myth Rediscovered. And that was excellent because that broke it down into just which hat are you going to wear in the business? I'd say that's definitely an important one for people, men, women, early on in business to check that book out because it really gives you a perspective on things. And then, you know, plants seed and knowing the time is right is when you pull the trigger. So at what point, Anthony, did you start seeing this tipping point? You said the first two years, you just blended them together because they were kind of all in the same, just kind of a blur. At what point did you start seeing this tipping point and what was it do you think triggered that tipping point? Yeah, I'd say the end of year two, year three was the big one, you know, so to give you like revenue wise, because it helps paint a picture, we went from 160, 800, 1.5, and then like four and a half. But then those, that 1.5 to four and a half. So the start of that was in year three, year four was the uh the kind of the end of it that was it so i was still like working crazy that was a big one you know and i would say it was a couple things one employees were getting burned out hours with the amount of hours we were all putting in 
two, my family life was definitely suffering. I had my daughter. She was, I mean, she was born shortly after I started the business. Um, just my home life was pretty stressful. You know, I was just not there physically. I was not present. And then when I was home mentally, was not present. And it was really during that time when I really started to like build up office staff, build up management. You know, so it was that one and a half to four and a half revenue. The difference between those two was one of the most stressful years of the business. Also the most rewarding because that's when I, I just beeped everything up. And yeah, so it was at that time. So a couple of questions I have for you, one related to business, one related to personal life. With the business, you said it was at that time you started building up your office staff and management. Looking back, was there any opportunity to do that sooner or did you have to be get to where you were at in the business to be able to have the resources to build that up? Yeah, the latter. And that's I'm glad you asked because I struggled with that for a little while, like I would look back and I'd be like, man, I wish I did things different. I wish I did this sooner, but it just doesn't work out like that. Like it doesn't work out like that. Like you said, you have to have the resources there, you know, the money there. It just doesn't work out like that. And so I used to sometimes look back with some regret and uh, wish I did things sooner. And then it was really like this past year. I'm like, you know what? I, I wouldn't change one thing that thought process has served me well. And so I I wouldn't change one thing. Everything that happened has just been a huge lesson for me. And and you wouldn't know to do better until you know to do better. I do four or five of these interviews a week with business owners. We do a lot. And looking back, one, it's it's pointless. Like there's nothing you can do looking back, right? Like sometimes it's good to reflect (laughs) and be like, okay, what did I learn to improve? But like, wishing you could have done things different it's a freaking waste of time so if you're one of those people that's like oh living in regret get out of it like it's just as bad as spending too much time in the future yep daydreaming of where you wish you could be right yep it's good to have these thoughts occasionally go to the future to set those goals direct the ship right point it in the right direction it's good to look back and say okay yeah that was a mistake i learned from that Come present, get back in the moment, get present and get to work. What I've realized is that with these business owners, especially if you're starting a business ground up, it's going to be two to three years of sacrifice. Yes. And what's really, really tough is often a lot of times we have family members. Maybe we have a spouse, we have kids, we got a boyfriend, girlfriend that doesn't see us. Yep. Because our we have this vision, we know where we want to get, where we're energized, we're passionate about the company, and we know like, hey, the more hours I put in, we'll be able to get to where we want to be, but it often takes a toll on those close to us. And I, I think that's just part of the sacrifice, not only that you as a business owner have to make, but your significant other has to understand as well. And I know in my own personal life, it's when I improved my communication with my right. wife that she started seeing the vision and understanding why I was spending so much time or why I was having a hard time mentally being present when I was home. Because there's a lot of stress on us, especially like, I can't speak for all business owners, but I feel like by nature, us as, as men and husbands and fathers, we have this innate drive to provide. Yes. Like we want to provide for our our spouses. We want to provide for our kids. 
almost to a point where we overdo it when in, like they need us home. Right. And I feel like as society, as a country, we're more aware of that, like how important it is to have a father present. I know like my grandfather, right? Like you talk to your, your grandpas back in the day, like mom stayed at home, raised the yeah. family, <laughs> dad, dad went to work and it was almost like two separate lives. Right. It so was. I feel like as a society, we've done a lot better job coming together uh, working in that sense. But the personal question I wanted to ask you was for those people that are struggling being present when they're trying to grow a business, when they're scaling, like, yes, you got to put in the work. Yes, you've got to sacrifice. But how did you, and I don't want to say balance. I don't think anything's balanced. Like mm -hmm. having a balanced life, I don't think is possible. Yep. But in those moments that you were with family, and you stated that previously you weren't mentally present with them. What were some things that you did to change that and to flip yeah. the script there? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, that's a good one. And I think, like you said, we are shifting that way back as a society. And and so it was a couple of things for me. One, again, had to feel the pain of like being uh, not present mentally. And, and it's, it's difficult because like you said like you take on this role as a father and husband uh what i'm doing is to provide for a family want to provide want to provide this you know but a big part of that is is the at home is being mentally mentally present at home and i think you also touched on it perfectly it's like it's the communication side of things like i when you are in sync with those around you and communicating like a plan talking it through with your partner not just like this is the decision that i made this is what i'm doing and you need to be okay with it you know just have the conversation about it changes things completely and i know both sides of that you know for me it was like it was little things i mean you know the kids were getting bigger a big moment was at christmas time when my daughter looked at me she said that she missed me and i was home every single day so there was no like real reason for her to physically you were there physically yeah mentally not and i she's almost like too young to even totally knew what it meant but you know it just it hit me and uh you know so those little things like you know my business coach definitely helped with some practices little things like i would always wear a hat at work uh, you know, with, with the company logo on it. I'm at ride home from work. I would take that hat off and I'd put on this Yeti hat. And it just helped me like th things like that helped me shift. And, uh, it's a, it's a trigger. You went from work hat to dad hat. Yeah. Yeah. It's little things to put in your life. And, and I also looked at it like, you know, I also learned that I, do much better at the business running a business being a leader when i do have these moments that i could separate work and family like you know you think that oh man i gotta run 12 14 hours a day at the shop and then i still gotta do this stuff at home and again that's necessary to some extent but then i realized that like when i could create that separation create that boundary it made me that much more efficient during the day and uh that that was a big one for me. It was a, a big a big learning lesson for me. Like and then that was it too. Like my kids deserved just as much of attention and presence and as my business did. And you know, I grew up in a family like the 
where the male figures weren't really around, like you said, like just always working. That was a big goal. I didn't want that. Didn't want it, that to be my legacy. And, um, so I started to implement little things. And that was it. So you said something a few seconds ago that was critical. And I want to repeat it. You said setting boundaries. Yeah. It is difficult for us for a lot of people, not just us as business owners, for a lot of people to set those boundaries because we're trying to live lives because of the expectations of others. Mm-hmm. Being able to set those boundaries. And one thing that my wife and I are working on is five o'clock rolls around. We put our phones up, we put them in the cupboard, out one. of sight, out of touch. That's one thing we're trying to do. Cause I got an eight year old daughter and man, will she call us out on it? That's it's awesome. like, Hey, get off your phone. Let's play a family game. Let's do yeah. And, and I, we need that reminder. And yep. so our, especially if you've got kids, like being present is tough and, and it's, listen, I get it. You're at work. Your mind's overstimulated. You're focusing on the business. You get home. Sometimes we just want to unplug and unplugging might look like watching sports, watching yep. TV, scrolling on instagram or facebook watching videos on youtube like that's our way to unplug when in reality we're just shifting the stimuli that our brains are receiving that's that it's not giving us that disconnect we truly need yeah and maybe maybe when you pull into your driveway maybe take like put your phone away put it on silent maybe you take five minutes and just decompress Little things like that can go such a long ways. Yep. So I'd pull down the street. I'd wait before I even pulled in the driveway. I'd just pull down for 20 minutes. Phone would go down. Music was always a big one for me. And that was my disconnect part. Then I could just go home. And I think when I realized, like, especially with young kids, man, as a parent, you are their entire world. You know, their sun, moon, stars, the morning noon and end of day like you are their entire world they don't know anything else and it's a huge gift well said anthony this interview went by way too quick we could definitely keep chatting but unfortunately we're running out of time here but as we wrap this up what's next what's next for you and or winds chimney yeah i think we're kind of staying steady on the course right now we got a couple crews we're adding this year starting to look at branching out to outside areas so that's it. Um, that's it. Storm, the basement waterproofing company, pretty similar. You know, we got a focus there as well. They're definitely in growth mode right now. Love it. And we didn't even get a chance to talk about that other business. But if there's one thing you can gain from this interview is that when you have the right people on your team and you're delegating effectively, it enables you to be more efficiently effective. So you can get involved in multiple businesses if you have the right partners and you have yep. the right team. Yep. So, well, awesome. Well, Anthony, there's four questions I like to ask every guest at the end of the show. And the first one being, what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale and further develop their millionaire mind? Well, I guess I'd go back to, I know I said it was, it's not my favorite book. It's one of them. But I think when it comes to scaling and learning how to delegate is crucial. And the one that there's the E-Myth and the E-Myth Rediscovered. I read the E-Myth Rediscovered. I think it's Michael Gerber is the is the author. That was a crucial one for me. Inspirational wise was the power of broke from David John. That was a big one. But when it came to scaling, the E Myth Rediscovered was huge. 
Awesome. Thanks for sharing those. Yep. What has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by? Yeah. The lessons are in the losses. That's the big one. So I think that's almost been like the theme of this podcast and my greatest lessons have, have came from those hardest moments. It's not if they come and just being willing to take it on and just yep. know, have faith that it's all going to work out. Things are happening for you, not to you. And it's going to suck. You're going to get blindsided, like throw a little fit about it <laughs> and then get back on your feet and get to work. Right. Like yep. it's okay to feel those emotions and then just get back to work, just deal with it and move on. So Anthony, if there was one thing in these years of experience of growing these businesses that you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? I think it's educate yourself and build a network of positive peers around you. I think that's the biggest thing. If I would have kept mine limited, I would have stayed in this limited circle. And, you know, nowadays podcasts like yours, there's tons of podcasts out there, uh, different groups online and social media of just like people who are building each other up, people who will build you up, networking, training events. You know, there's a lot of gold. And I would say it's always in the conversations. Like I've gone to a lot of trainings. I've sat through trainings that have been great. The gold nuggets are always in like the individual conversations I have with people. So be vulnerable, you know, willing to talk to people. Um, and there's just a lot of gold nuggets in that. I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret here, something that I've, it's not launching anytime soon. It's definitely in the works. What Anthony just shared with us, again, plays into the concept a lot of us have heard, your network is your net worth. I've had the privilege of connecting with incredible people over this podcast, and we bring our conversations and our interviews live so you can listen to it. Personally, I love shaking hands with people. That in-person connection, the energy there. So one thing we're working on is some sort of millionaire mind group yeah. mastermind where we will have all and or i guess whoever wants to participate of the guests that i've had on the show in this group together where that we can learn and grow from each other because you have people from so many different industries coming together and that's something that i, I want to put together like for free i don't want charge for it right like i just want to create this community where like-minded people can really come together so that's something that's definitely in the works that we've got going on so uh, keep listening stay tuned to our podcast and we'll start putting out more content and stuff around that over the next few months as we dial in what that actually looks like but anthony this has been absolutely incredible and if this is your first time listening to our podcast i'm so glad that you tuned in People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. My company partners with busy professionals just like Anthony that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and to serve. And we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in apartment investing, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I could serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a quick 15-minute discovery call. 
a lot of people think they need millions of dollars to start investing in apartments. And I'm here to tell you that is not the case. And you could very likely get started today. It could be overwhelming vetting the right investment and the right operator. But at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Anthony, again, man, thank you so much for your time and just sharing your incredible journey with us. It's amazing to see what you've been able to accomplish just over these last few years. Thanks, Darren. Likewise, thanks for having me on. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million-dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.